0: Hey, it's Scott Petrack with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns are at a critical point in the season at 4-4 and and coming off a bad 15-10 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. To make matters worse, there's a bunch of drama surrounding Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. On Tuesday, is the trade deadline passed with no movement? Here to talk about it all with me is Dave Chodowski of GO! The WKYC Morning News. Dave, how are you? Well,
1: Scott, I got to tell you, uh, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're taking steps backward. I mean, yeah. is it uh, 2012, 2000? I mean, just pick a year. I mean, I, you know, I thought we were past this, but here we go. I mean, you know, if, if anything I felt solid on going into this year was that if they weren't going to be successful, it, it, it wouldn't necessarily be because of, of drama. Uh, I, I was concerned. One of my key points heading into the year was if Baker and, o- and Odell had issues, that would be a major problem. I was just hoping it wouldn't happen. But here we are,
0: drama. It's like, yeah. where do we begin? I, I know it's, it is unsettling, Chud, because we, we've talked about it, right? When we used to do TV, we talked about it every week, all the drama that was going on. And it felt like, well, it felt like the Browns had moved past a lot of that. And that was because of Andrew Barry, a GM, and Kevin Safansky, a coach. Now, I, I think for the most part, the organization has been drama-free, but it certainly was not on Tuesday. And, you know, you can pin that on Odell's Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad, so Odell Beckham Sr. Um, you know, a lot of it comes from there, obviously. Is it just one guy? Um, you know, is it just Odell? The drama seems to follow him. It certainly doesn't seem to shut it down very often. Um, but, hey, it's tough because it obviously is a huge storyline, and we don't know how it's going to play out. I'm going to go out to – we're taping this Wednesday morning. I'm going to go out to Berea later this morning and don't know exactly what to expect. We'll get into more of that. Um, but I don't know how much to blame, you know, the organization for that because Odell's so talented. They, you know, inherited Odell. You try to make it work. With Odell. And again, this wasn't even Odell. Now, maybe Odell could have shut it down. Um, it's Scott, let me, uh, let, let me yeah. interrupt you. Let, let's
1: um, just for anyone that doesn't know what happened, explain exactly yeah. what happened uh, yesterday. Because w- while we're waiting for the – and then when I said, I go, where do we begin? Because we basically have a, a terrible football game last Sunday right. to discuss. We have uh, the trade deadline to discuss. And we have Odell Beckham Jr. and his dad to discuss. So, we'll, we'll yeah. start with Odell
0: and start with the drama. Explain exactly what happened forever. Yeah, great point, Judd. So I wake up early Tuesday morning to see on Instagram, you know, that's part of the job. I suppose you scroll through Instagram when you wake up. And Odell Beckham Sr. has shared a video called, I'm paraphrasing, Odell Odell Beckham is open all the time in 2021. And it's an 11-minute video. And it's playing R.E.M.'s everybody hurts the whole, in the background, which is pretty funny. Um, and it's all these examples of Odell running open and Baker not either missing him or not throwing him the ball. Now, to be fair, and I broke him down, I watched every example a couple times and rewound it. Some of them are legit. Right. We all know that Minnesota game where, you know, Baker underthrew him. He missed him on that late fourth quarter throw. There are a bunch of plays where he actually tried to throw to Odell and just missed it. And then there's plenty from I think it's week three to week six, um, where Odell is running free and either Baker doesn't look at him or looks at him and doesn't throw the ball. Now, some of those you can explain away, but the Odell's on the left, Baker looks right automatically and throws right. Like that's not Baker. In my opinion, ignoring Odell. It's the play went to the right. Or the pressure comes and Baker doesn't have a time to set his feet and throw deep to Odell, who's you know running open, but running open late. Um, so there are there are not everyone is a perfect example, but there are examples of Odell running open and kind of being in Baker's sight line and Baker not throwing him the ball and coming off one target for six yards. Now there's a second unofficial target that was negated by a penalty. But, you know, even if, even if you count that two targets, one catch six yards against the Steelers, when the offense scores 10 points, um, it's significant that that video would be posted and to make matters worse, Odell Beckham senior in the Instagram comments, um, somebody said something negative about Baker and he gives it three check marks, um, (laughs) which is not a good sign. You know I mean? I'm not Mr. Instagram, but, you know, I can figure out what that means. You know, he's got hashtags like I hurt for him, disrespectful, love Cleveland like I love home, hashtag I love my son Mo. Um, You know, the the thing he gave three check marks to was Baker just doesn't want to get the ball to Odell or get Odell the ball. So this is a public cry for frustration and it's probably a public cry to get him traded because yesterday was the trade deadline at four o'clock. And then LeBron James tweets free Odell um, or free OBJ. So it feels like an orchestrated movement to get Odell traded. The trade deadline comes and goes. Odell is not traded. So the Browns don't make any moves. And here we are at four and four and headed to a huge game in Cincinnati. And it seems like the receiver, the star receiver does not want to be here or at least, That's what his family's message is putting out, his dad at least. And coming off a game where the quarterback only threw the ball to him twice. And that's a lot for Kevin Stefanski to deal with. Scott, I I can't say, though,
1: that in the scheme of Odell Beckham Jr., I'm surprised. I mean, we have debated this guy over and over and over. And I'm not saying this is his fault, all right? I'm not at all. And I got to be honest, I almost – you almost – almost sold me a couple weeks ago when, you know, you you, you gave a, a great case for him. So I'm not really laying this all on him. I almost feel sorry for him now, kind of. Um, but the bottom line is, there's a reason the Giants traded him. He always has drama around him. He's been to the playoffs, like, what, one time in his career. He, he's, he's had self-inflicted wounds, and he's had wounds put on him as far as when it comes to drama. But the bottom line is, I got to tell you, we should not be surprised at all that this is happening.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid you're right there, Chad. I kind of hope that we were past it and Odell was past it. And I know that, you know, from talking to people close to him, that he had come to a place where he was happy here, Um, you know, living in Cleveland. You know, he lives in the suburbs. Um, He has a house. The first time he's had a house you know he's got a relationship he's got dogs like he he'd reached a point where he was kind of settled in to his existence with the browns um now the injuries weren't good and he's been dealing with them since he got here right the core muscles injury in 2019 that torn acl last year now he's got a shoulder injury so it's always been something and that's been frustrating and upsetting for odell because he doesn't i'm sure he feels like man he can I got off to such a great start with the Giants and people are talking about hall of fame and all time. Great. And then it just hasn't stayed at that level. And a lot of that's due to injury. So I know that's a frustration, frustrating part for him, but I don't think the Cleveland part was any longer. And then you get into this season, he gets back from the ACL. He feels good. He looks good. And it just hasn't taken off for him personally. And then when you add on top of that, the team is struggling and the offense is struggling and that's, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Odell, but he's always said that. Yeah, I'm happy if we're winning and we're doing well, but when things start to go sideways and we don't score and I'm not getting the ball, look, that's when it becomes an issue. And I'm not saying it should become an issue, but that's when it does become an issue. And it feels like all that came together Sunday uh, against the Steelers when the offense lays a huge egg. It's a third straight week. he can't score 20 points. And Odell's just not involved. The one pass he caught was a bubble screen. He caught it behind the line of scrimmage, right? How, How is that possible for a guy as talented as Odell? And for those people who want to argue, well, he's not the same receiver, the video showing him getting open is something we knew, but it confirms it that he is getting open. He can still run away from and run by defensive backs, so, therefore, where is the disconnect?
1: So, do you think he looks like the same receiver he was, though, with the Giants? And, and again, you brought up all the injuries. That's another thing. He's right. always hurt. He's always hurt. And I remember, you know – even last year, there was minor drama things with him. Um, you know, I, I can't remember every single one of them. But um, do, do you feel like he really is still, though, that elite receiver? I mean, when you watch him and, and, and you watch him
0: live in person. Right. I think I, I, he's not the same guy he was in 2016, right? We went to three straight four bowl bowls to start his career. He's still the most talented receiver on this team. And I still think he's a top 20, 25 talented player, receiver in the NFL. I really believe that, Chu. Now, he's dropped a couple balls this, balls this year, which is not good. It's not an epidemic of drops. He's also – a lot of receivers, and a lot of the best receivers, are high-volume guys. You have to throw them the ball a bunch. And Kevin Stefanski's offense doesn't really suit that type of receiver. So anytime you drop a ball, it stands out. You know, um, Jamar Chase is making a bunch of catches in Cincinnati. He's also dropping balls. But we're all focused on the catches because there's a ton of them and there's a ton of yardage. So I I still think Odell can be highly effective in this league. Um, And I think, you know, when you watch from the press box, you get that angle when you watch the all 22, you get the angles and you see him, yeah, running away from guys. And we saw it in Minnesota right? Because Baker threw them in Minnesota and missed him, and Odell was open multiple times deep down the field. So, I would say that, yes, I really think he can still be an effective receiver. You have to
1: admit, though, that the the offense looks better when he's not on the field, right? I mean, uh, the games that we have seen in recent time, it seems like Baker clicks more. Yeah, I mean, the numbers say that, John, but here's my argument to that. It's, it's not just the numbers, though. Isn't it the naked eye, though? I mean, no, doesn't on. it just look like they moved
0: down the field a little better? I mean, well, it, just, it just seems like they're more productive. I mean, I get I get that argument. And it's hard for me to combat it when they're coming off three straight games where they've totaled 41 points. But my argument to that is they only threw it the ball in one time the other day. So it's not like they were force-feeding him. I mean, what's the difference if Donovan Peoples-Jones is out there and gets one throw, right? Like, Sunday's game had nothing to do with Odell. In fact, if you talk to Coach Stefanski and Baker Mayfield, and if you just are honest about it, Odell still draws coverage, right? Guys are open because Odell is running and taking two guys. So I I do fight back the notion that the offense is automatically going to be better if Odell's not out there. I I have a hard time making that connection. I understand where it's coming from. But we can no longer say Baker's forcing the ball because he's not forcing the ball. I think he's well, let's, gone too far in the take, other direction. Let's take it a different
1: direction, though. Then, all right, let's say that it's not that. Let's just say that maybe there's problems in the locker room, and you know how it is, man. Yeah. Any good team, you know, or any workplace, it doesn't even have to just be sports. When there is an issue. And, and we've talked about this before and we've seen this with, with teams that how this type of thing can just affect you on game day. Yeah. Is, is there something there? I'm not saying there well, is. It,
0: could there be? Yeah. That's an interesting point. Now I would say that. Everybody I've talked to about Odell and this is including former teammates, right? It's not just guys who are in the moment of, I have to say good stuff about Odell. have always said he's a good teammate. And now he's a little eccentric, right? But there aren't a lot of complaints about Odell. Like he's a good guy to be around in the locker room. Now there is a dynamic of superstar. It's always about him. I want the ball. I, I'm not denying that part of it, but I don't think guys in a locker room are like, man, this guy's a pain in the butt. I, I don't get that sense. Now maybe Baker has a different view because Baker's a guy trying to get in the ball. Baker's a guy hearing him complain when he doesn't get the ball. Um, but I don't feel like I've never felt like he's a cancer. And I feel like if you're around Odell, he's a guy that there's a lot to like about. him. He's kind of, he's to me, he's a likable guy. Um, But I I do get your point. And I think Sunday again was one of those maybe tipping point days, which is why we're having this discussion. There's a couple of videos you can see, or just rewatching the game, you know, go back and rewatch the game Um, when they score, right, their only touchdown, Dearness Johnson's 10-yard run where he makes a real nice cutback. Odell walks straight to the sideline. There's no go-celebrate in the end zone. Now, he's not the only guy. You know, some of the offensive line turn and walk away because they've had a long drive, right, and they're not into celebrating. So, you know, whatever. But that's the case. He just walks straight to the sideline. And then probably more, I don't know, noteworthy slash concerning, is when Odell or when Baker makes that third down scramble in the fourth quarter and he gets hit near the sideline and slides into the bench. He gets up and he does one of those huge first down signals, right? Runs back on the field, huge first down signal. Crowd goes crazy. Odell is walking off the field like he's not gonna be in the next play.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he walks right by Baker. And Baker does the, like the fist pump gesture, the you know, the first down gesture. Odell moves like so he doesn't get hit in the head. It doesn't high five Baker, doesn't pat him on the butt, doesn't do anything like has no reaction at all. Just walks straight to the bench. And, <laughs> you know, if you're a body language expert or pretend to be, um, that's probably not a great sign right? that, <laughs> and that Odell's not celebrating. So, um, you know, and that's probably frustration from maybe being open that play and not getting the ball being deep in the fourth quarter and you're losing and you've only gotten one ball in you know, I consider myself a team player, right? Whenever I played sports, I don't like to think that I would ever have that reaction. I always think that I would be engaged and not frustrated that I only have one catch. But the reality is, I don't know if that's how it is in the NFL. I know that that's not how it is for most NFL receivers, but it's still not a great look when you're obviously frustrated during the game that you're not getting the ball. And I think that had to contribute to, all the drama that we talked about with his dad and heading it, you know, ahead of the trade deadline Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up here too quickly here. Cause we've talked a lot about this, obviously a main thing to talk about, but where do you go from here yeah. and is there drama otherwise? Like, is there any other problems in that locker room?
0: Um, yeah. I don't think there's any, I mean, I can't think of any other big drama going on in the locker room. I can't. Um, now again, we're not in there. Right. They bring the they bring the players to us, so it's not like we spend 50 minutes a day in the locker room like I used to um, because of COVID protocols. So um, it's a little harder to get the feel, but I don't get that sense. Um, and then how do they move on? So that's that's the question today. I, you know, I mean, I expect when we talk to Baker late this morning that he'll say that yeah, he's talked to Odell and they have reached a you know a common ground, and yes, I need to get the ball to Odell more and. We need to take advantage of Odell because he said that after the game, I expect Kevin Stefanski say, yeah, I sat down and talked to these guys and we're at a place where we're going to move forward. Um, That's what I expect. Now it could go sideways, right? We don't know where it could go. Um, I I would think that the organization would not let it go there. I would think that if the organization felt like this was a unsavable situation that they would have traded Odell yesterday, but they did not because They had to feel that he the team is better with Odell on it and he's more valuable to the team than whatever late draft pick they could have gotten in a potential trade. So with that as a backdrop, I think they're going to try to move forward with him. Um, But I do leave open the possibility of things going crazy and um, the drama not ending this afternoon.
1: All right, let's go to the uh, trade deadline quickly on this because uh, nothing happened. Right. Uh, are, are you surprised? Did you think something would happen? Do you think they should have made something happen? Where are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. There's so much discussion about the trade deadline before it happens, and there's rarely many trades, right? I mean, I, there couldn't have been five in the league yesterday, or at the most five. Obviously, it was the Von Miller deal on, Tuesday, on Monday. Um, Denver trades him to the Rams. That's a big deal. Um, but that's really the only one. There's some minor ones. The Chiefs traded a tight end or an offensive lineman for a tight end. Um, you know, Texans traded a defensive lineman, but there has not been much at all. So, uh, you know, just across the league. So I did not expect the Browns to do it because it's hard to pull off a trade. If they had been able to find an upgraded tackle, right, because Jack Conklin is going to miss a few weeks. I think they would have looked, I'm sure they looked for one, but it's hard to find a starting right tackle in week nine. Um, Maybe some secondary depth help. But again, these are positions where the whole league needs and Mm -hmm. you have to find the perfect situation. So I'm not surprised.
1: Well, that, uh, that Steelers game, I think surprised both of us. We thought the Browns were going to win. We both picked them to win. They were favored. Uh, You know, it was a, upset uh you know that being said it's the Steelers and I guess we should never be surprised
0: yeah you know what we shouldn't and we'll break down this game let me say off the top all the people that wrote off the Steelers before the season and there were plenty of them in the media Mm -hmm. plenty of the fans right I think you have to remember and I think this is key inside this division a team like an organization like the Steelers and the same thing applies for the Ravens they just don't disappear right? They're too, they've are too. they won too much. The coaching staff is too good. The culture is too good for a team to fall off the cliff, especially if you have a decent quarterback. And Ben isn't the Ben of 10 years ago, but he can still play. And, you know, w- would you take him over Baker right now? I don't want to get in that discussion, but it's a discussion, right? Um, you wouldn't take him long-term, but for right now, one game, would you? I-, I think that's a discussion. And when you talk about where teams rank in the AFC North, I I think that's a valid point to bring up. Obviously, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. My point is, if you have a decent quarterback and that kind of culture, um, you can win games. And the Steelers were more physical at the line of attack, despite having two rookie starters, I believe, on the offensive line, a rookie running back. And, you know, the Browns game is supposed to be at the line of scrimmage, and I thought the Steelers won that battle, and Mike Tomlin said, that's what they needed to do. And they went out and did it. And they held Nick Chubb to 61 yards and 16 carries. So I, I think it goes above just one game. I think it shows when you have that kind of tradition, um, it, it's you're just going to be good, or at least well, you give I, yourself a chance to be good. And the Browns are still trying to get to that consistent level of winning.
1: Yeah, well, I I think you know, and we talked about this before the season. I think we hit on this point. We we talked about how this division is always tough, and when you play the schedule game at the beginning of the year, and you, and not you necessarily, but, sure. but just anybody, and you make predictions, it was there was no way you could write off the Steelers. I mean, I think I I think I picked the Steelers to win the game on you know week seventeen, January third. Yeah. I didn't I didn't pick them to win the game in Cleveland, but I guess my point was it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have surprised me to see them go three and three in this division, which that's that's three losses right there. And then you got, you know, possibly you could even lose four in your day. It's a tough division. And that and that's what I think people forgot about heading into this year is what you just said right there is how difficult this division is, along with the fact this was a much more difficult schedule than last year.
0: There's no doubt. And, and that's a great point, John. When we talk about 11 and six and 12 and five, right, all the numbers we threw out your life throughout there, it's the beginning of the year it was with the assumption that the Browns were going to win at least four games in the AFC North. Right. And if that's going to happen, now they got to go four and one and they might've had the easiest game of the six Sunday. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, that that doesn't bode well. The whole rest of the schedule doesn't bode well. I just saw a stat there. They have the second hardest schedule left um, in the NFL. So yeah, it's, but that's how you win the division, right? Is you go four and two or five and one against a really tough division. That's how you do it. And that's why the Browns have never won it. It's because they've never gone better than they I'm not sure they've ever gone better than three and three in the division. I'm um, last year, did they maybe they went four and two last year? No, they lost they went three and three last year.
1: Um, no, you know, I, I think I think in oh seven.
0: They went didn't four and two. I don't know. Yeah. But even if they've won four and two, it's one time and they've never won the division. The division was founded in 2002, right? So the key is you Mm -hmm. have to have success inside your division. They had a home game against a team that scored 15 points and they can't win it. And that's what makes this loss hurt so bad. First of all, five and three, the difference between five and three and four and four is huge, right? They'd be a half a game back in the division. They'd head down to Cincinnati with momentum and you have some wiggle room. Now mm-hmm. you're four and four, way less margin for error. You're getting a Bengals team that's got to be motivated coming off a bad loss of the Jets. And you are you have serious questions about your offense in general, and how can it keep up with an offense like the Bengals that is so explosive? So that loss was – obviously, they can bounce back, and if they win this week, we'll have a different discussion next week. But right now, that loss to the Steelers is one of those that shakes – I, I think can shake the confidence of your organization. So what happened? I mean, how did they, they lose this game? 10 points? I mean, come on. Right? Well, I wrote an analysis the other day, Chud, and it was six things that are bogging down the Browns offense. And I'll, I'll just break them down. for. And this is my opinion, right? But talking to Stefanski, talking to the guys on offense, there's no explosive plays, right? Remember last year, They'd run the play action and you'd have Donovan Peoples-Jones running one-on-one and he'd get behind the defense, off the play action, 3-10-and look, and you throw a go route and he scores against the Titans, right? I, I remember that play. There's none of that anymore. And I think they're trying to run it and it's just not working. And maybe the defensive defenses have adjusted. You do have to take in consideration that, um, you know, Baker's dealing with the left shoulder, whatever. But you need explosive plays. And they can come in the run game too – but there haven't been as many, and I'm talking 30-, 40-, 50-yard plays because it makes life so much easier on an offense when you have those. Instead of going four plays, 75 yards and four plays, it takes eight, nine, 10, you get a false start, you get a hold, you get a tip ball, and the drive goes in the dumper, and I, I, it, it's just a harder way to live. So they got to figure that out. They need to figure out a way to get explosive plays, and I think they have the talent, it's just not happening. They need to throw deep more, and this is tied in with the explosive plays. But whether or not you connect on the deep balls, it has an effect on the defense. It opens things up. And Odell, going back to Odell, is a perfect target to throw deep because he can make something happen, theoretically, right? He can make something happen on the deep balls, and there's none of that. You know, their longest completion the other day was 24 yards. That's not enough. Throw the ball down the field once a quarter and I think it has a huge impact on the defense and the offense. Odell's the third, the third thing. They need to figure it out. Coach needs – Stefansky needs to do a better job of getting him involved, getting him easier completions. I went back and watched two Bengals games. Jamar Chase, they throw him – if the defender's playing eight yards off, they throw a four-yard pass to Chase, and it's an easy completion. He can break a tackle, and who knows what happens. The Browns don't do that to Odell, and it doesn't make any sense to me. They need to get him involved way more. It starts with Szyfanski. It continues with Baker. And hopefully they can come to a spot where their differences don't affect them on Sundays. The red zone, they're not very good in the red zone. Um, Obviously, that's huge. We look back. All you have to do is look back at the first drive Sunday. Um, They got first and goal from the eighth. It's a good play call. Baker throws high to Hooper. Now, if it's a perfect throw, he walks into the end zone. It's not a perfect throw, but Hooper should still catch it and probably gets tackled at the two. Instead, it's not a perfect throw. Hooper doesn't catch it, and it's second and eight. They wind up kicking a field goal. Those four points are huge. We've seen the Browns not score enough touchdowns. They're, only, they're 23rd in the league on touchdown rate inside the red zone. That kills you for an offense that scored 14, 17, and 10 the last three weeks um fourth down we've talked about this chug they're still bad on fourth down 0 for 2 on Sunday Nick Chubb gets stuffed because Cameron Hayward just drives Blake Hans the extra lineman he was an extra because Conklin was still in the game drives him back into the middle of the pile Chubb has no choice but to bounce it outside and get stuck um it's a fine play call the Browns blow up um it gets blown up and then the second fourth down was the drop by Landry on the last drive. Good throw by Baker. Landry can't catch it. Um, 0 for 2 on fourth down. They're bad on fourth down. They're 7 for 18 this season. That's terrible. And then the fourth quarter. They can't score in the fourth quarter. So You throw up all these things, right? all these key areas where they're struggling and that's why they can't, that's why they're not scoring any points on offense and that's why it's concerning because it's not just one thing you can point to. It's a whole bunch of things that are keeping this offense from being as successful as it should be. And it's, it's almost systematic, Chud. It's coaching. It's some of your quarterback play, right? Baker's not always accurate. Although at the other day, it was 21 for 30 with six drops, right? So he's doing yeah. pretty accurate the other day. Um, should he have played in that game? Do you think? Yes. I, I do. Yes. Okay. I mean, he made it, he made it through the whole game. Right. And he yeah. said he had no setbacks. Now it doesn't mean he can't leave this week with the shoulder injury. But I think he's at the point where you play him until you can't play him anymore. I think he's better than Case Keenum. I I think that's obvious. Some people would disagree with me. I think it's there's no question at all. Um, And 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 your receivers. Well, you you know we we didn't we didn't
1: have the um we didn't have the pod last week, um but we never got to talk about that. Case won his game. Case won his game. He did, but I mean they scored seventeen
0: against a bad Broncos team. Right, like you have to look at how they won. I know, right? I mean, he played fine. I mean, he's he's what you want in a backup. But Baker is, even Baker hurt, has a better arm and is a better athlete and can escape trouble. And I just think you go with that. I I just think it's clear that he's a better quarterback. Um, Well, isn't it funny too?
1: Isn't it funny too if Landry doesn't have the turnover and they go in and score? You know, Baker's not even being discussed this week. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, he got let down by his receivers, especially on those last two drives. We talk about Baker needs to win a a game in the fourth quarter. Jeez, he had he had him at the twenty, and Jarvis fumbles, and then he has him at the twenty-four, and they have drops, a false start. You know, I mean, Jarvis's last drop is inside the ten, right? So, or right around the ten. So yeah, it's not it's not all the quarterback. This one I really resolve, I absolve Baker of the blame for this loss. Um, but when when you talk about a season not going how you think well, it's gonna go, it's mm-hmm. it's when your big play your players that you count on, like Jarvis Landry, let you down in the fourth quarter. That's one way you lose games.
1: Did, did you think some of the passes were a little high though? I mean, yeah, I wouldn't absolve them a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I, I would I would absolve of them, but not 100. I mean, I wouldn't say he played the perfect game. I mean, he well, had no touchdowns. He, you
0: know. No, I, I went you there, but nobody, I mean, quarterbacks rarely play the perfect game. Right? Yeah, his misses are high and his misses continue to be high. And I'm not going to, I won't argue with that. And the th- I mentioned the throw to Hooper. If he makes a better throw, it's probably a walking touchdown, mm-hmm. but Hooper should still catch it. You know, Higgins, the Higgins drop, if you listen to Tony Romer on the TV when I rewatched the game, People say, oh, it's behind him. It's behind him on purpose so he stays away from the defender. Higgins drops it. It's fourth and 12. Maybe the last throw wasn't 100% perfect. It's a catch Jarvis shouldn't make, right? Like, you need to help out your quarterback. You need to help out your quarterback that's playing with a, with a banged-up left shoulder. Now, this does not mean Baker's been great all year. I'm talking about Sunday. I thought Baker played well enough to win that game, and he did not get enough help.
1: Um, True.
0: Now, are they rolling them out as much as they were? They're not. They're not. Now, Stefanski said the reason they didn't Sunday was because the Steelers make that really hard. The way they play defense, their ends or their outside linebackers line up so wide. And if you go back to last year, they had the same issues last year trying to roll them out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do against Cincinnati because Cincinnati doesn't play its guys as wide. Um, but do they trust Baker? Do they trust Baker's shoulder to roll them out the same amount? Um, I think Sunday will be a good test of that. You know where I think
1: that the offense, uh, I just think missing cream hunt and Chubb's injury. I mean, you know, you dominate with that running game and it hasn't been the same since those injuries have happened. And, you know, if you want to pinpoint one thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think you missed, you certainly miss Kareem on third down, right? I mean, I know Dearness Johnson had the great game against the Broncos. He's not Kareem Hunt, right? He dropped two balls on Sunday when we're talking about Baker the six drops. Dearness drops, Johnson dropped two of them. Um, there is, there's a drop-off there. You miss the energy that Kareem brings, his ability to make something out of nothing. Um, you certainly miss Nick Chubb when he's not in the game, um, when he missed those two. There's no doubt about that. But playing off that run game real quick, Chud, is you know Stefanski continues to try to run it, even though teams say we're going to take away the run. Right? The Steelers loaded up the box. Tomlin said we're taking away Chubb, and they did pretty effectively. And when you ask Stefanski about it, he'll say, hey, that's who we are. We have to run against teams trying to take away the run game. And I understand that philosophy, and I understand that identity. But I think there's also a counter to that that says, hey, it should be easier to throw. I need to trust my quarterback in my passing game. And it feels like there's a disconnect there that they just won't say, hey, we're going to come out and throw it 40 times and make teams respect the pass. And, and I, again, I think it's philosophical, but I think it puts you in some tough spots where it's just hard to run against eight and nine-man nine boxes, no matter who your line is, no matter who your running backs are. So why not make it easier on yourself by audibling to a quick slant to Odell or quick out to David and And I just don't think they do that enough. I think they say, Hey, we're, we're, we're a running team. We're going to run it. And I, I just don't know if you can live like that week in and week out.
1: All right. So they're a four and four team. Uh, I mean, they're Oh, and one in the division and they're in last place. It really is. I mean, I don't want to say it couldn't be worse because it could, but it's pretty <laughs> bad. It's, it's you know, it's not what we expected. I mean, I, I, I'd i have to go back to even think about, and, and remember, I I didn't pick them to win as many games, but I still had them in the playoffs with 10 mm-hmm. wins. I'm a little nervous now that they might not even get there.
0: <laughs> I mean, should, I they yeah. should, should. <laughs> well, I mean, look at the schedule. There's one There's one give me game on the schedule, and it's Detroit. Right? They got... So they got nine games left. There's Detroit. The other eight are the five division games at New England, at Green Bay, and home versus the Raiders. There's not. There's not one game. There's not one game game outside of Detroit. The Browns might not be favored by more than three points the rest of the year. Wow. I, I mean that's yeah. That's a tough schedule. That is a that is a
1: tough schedule. So I mean, are you? Hit- panic button are you not
0: are you i mean are they are what they are
1: are they better than
0: the, what the record shows where, where are you at man i mean that's the money question shot i'm not ready to panic yet if they lose in cincinnati i think it's a full-blown uh-oh right oh full-blown plant panic you're going against new england and bill belichick at four and five and knowing you have to get to no worse than 10 wins right um to have a shot to get a wild card spot Um, I still think they're extremely talented. I think if Baker stays healthy, they have a chance to turn this around. Um, Let me just say, if they get good quarterback play, they have a chance to turn this around. Um, I I think there's serious issues on offense like we just ran through. I don't think the defense has been solved. All the problems on defense have been solved. Yeah, they only gave up 15 points, but that's not a great Steelers offense, and they give up two long drives in the second half, um, touchdown drives in the second half, they still can't take the ball away. Now this season can turn if the defense starts to take the ball away. And, you know, that changes games. And they had chances the other day. They had interception dropped. It's a huge play in the game. So if that, if that starts going their way, we could see that be the catalyst for a turnaround. Um, but, yeah, th- this is a huge game, Chad. I have huge concerns about where this team is going. I don't have huge concerns about Stefanski or the organization. Like, I think long-term things will be fine. But right now, this is a – we've reached a critical point in the season, a tipping point, that I I think it could go either way.
1: Yeah. Is it possible that they could get get creative and and change some things up? I mean, show us some things that we haven't seen?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think we could see – yes, I do think we could see that. You know, Baker said simplify after the game. And I want to follow up with that today if I get time outside all the Odell questions, because um, I want to know what he means by that. Um, I want to see Stefanski go to the explosive plays, find some deep things to mix in. I think that will have a big impact. You know, JC Charter said it's about execution, and it always is, right? I mean, if they catch the ball in the fourth quarter Sunday, we're having a completely different discussion today. So I, I don't want to make it more than it is but i do think the problems are beyond just jarvis dropping some balls on sunday i i really believe that i think but we wouldn't we did this that's how the nfo works right we've talked about it if you win a close game you focus on all the right things you did if you lose a close game you focus on all the negative things that happened, and that's just how it is and because you lose a close game there's a lot of negative things to talk about and they've lost three out of four now so um But, yeah, I think you could see Stefanski come out knowing that you're going to have to score a lot of points to compete with Cincinnati. I think you could see the offense look different. Maybe they go hurry up, you know, no huddle to change the tempo. Just do some things differently to give yourself some maybe easier scoring opportunities because you're going to need every point you can get against Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, so uh, since our last pod, they beat the Broncos. I wouldn't say they looked amazing, but they had to win that game, and they did, so, you know, that that's good. We, we both um, hit on that. We both missed on on the Steelers. Um, so it's prediction time, except before we get to that, just break us down uh, the injury situation.
0: Yeah, they, mostly healthy, although Jack Conklin's a big one, right? Up for a right tackle. Um, I, I was told – the so Fancy said multiple weeks. I was told by someone else he'll miss a few weeks. So obviously no surgery on that dislocated elbow, which must have looked nasty because they called the cart immediately. They had the air cast out within about a minute. Wound up not using it, um, but it, it couldn't looked good on the field. Um, so he'll miss, let's call it three or four weeks. Blake Hans will be the start at right tackle. Now that affects you. You have, to, you have to scheme it up differently. You have to help Blake Hans. Um, If you're going to take those deep shots, because you can't risk, you know, the right tackle coming free and lighten up Baker. So that does affect the Browns. Um, John Johnson, the third, the safety is day-to-day with the next brain. Uh, Denzel Ward, the hope is he returns this week and they could use him against Cincinnati. You need all the corners you can get against Chase and Higgins and Boyd. Um, so he he's the guy to keep an eye on this week is where – Benzel stands. And then Tack McKinley, the DN, didn't play Sunday with a groin injury, tested it before the game, wasn't ready. Um, I feel like he's got a chance to come back this week.
1: All right. You ready for prediction time? Yeah, is it me or you? <laughs> well, I can't remember since we uh, missed last week. I, I think it might be you. Right. But if you want me to go first, That's I will. all
0: right. Shut up. Uh, I'll,
1: I'll <laughs> take it. Um, I think ne- neither of us want to go on this I know. I'm struggling.
0: I, I'm struggling with this one because I, I do think, you know, when you pick it when you pick a team to win 12 games, um, it's hard to it's hard to get off that, right? <laughs> just, well I think
1: I think you have to get off of it now. Wrong. I think you I, I think you have to look at it in a different stand. I,
0: <laughs> I, I mean I agree with you, but I, I do think they're still I think they're still talented enough. Um, I think the Bengals are good and better than I thought they'd be. They're flawed. They did not look perfect against the Jets. Obviously, they lose to the Jets. It's a bad loss. Um, But Burrow's phenomenal. Those receivers are phenomenal. Mixon's good. Can I I interrupt you real quick? Because
1: I so do you feel like they could win eight of their last nine games? Isn't that what it would take to get
0: to twelve? Yeah, that's what it would take. And no, I don't. I don't think they can. Okay, I was just. I mean, I think there's a chance. You know, if they get. Obviously, they have to get hot. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule out 11. I don't think they could get to 12. You know, Now, it feels like 10 or 11 is the max. It also feels like they could finish 7 and 10, which would be a huge disappointment. But you know how it goes. Things, things start going the wrong way. You got a losing record. Injuries pile up. And all of a sudden, the season gets away from you. And it doesn't you know- mean the season's – it doesn't mean the organization's taking eight steps back It means 2021 was a failure. Uh, I'm not ready to go there.
1: No, no. And and I still think there is, I still think this, the conference is jumbled up enough that they could get in with um, less wins than you would think.
0: No, that's a great point. I mean, if you look at it right now, they're tied for the final spot. They lose a tiebreaker, but I think four and four gets in right now. So, you know, maybe there's a world where nine and seven or nine and eight does get in. I think you got to get to 10. Um, which means you got to go six and six and three, right? And that's not—I mean, if you're a playoff team, you should be able to go six and three over a nine-game sure. stretch. That's not crazy. Yeah. Well, um, I
1: apologize for your No, opinion. you're fine.
0: No, you're fine. Um, but anyway, I, I think Cincinnati is a flawed team, especially defensively. I think you can beat them. I think they still need to prove. Although they had that huge win at Baltimore, they still need to prove that they're a playoff team, right? Kind of like the Browns last year. They need to continue to prove it. And they had some setbacks. Um, but anyway, all that taken into consideration. I, I think the Browns can win this game, but I got to pick against them because I keep picking them every week and they keep losing. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a three-point they're three point underdogs or two-and-a-half-point underdogs, which means, you know, it, it, Vegas expects a close game. Um, I, I'm going to go... So, yeah, again, I think the Browns could win this game. I feel like I can't keep picking them, especially when I'm not 100% confident they're going to win or whatever percent confident they're going to win. So give me Cincinnati 28, Cleveland
1: 27. 28-27 Bengals. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. It really is. Um, You make some excellent points there. Are you almost doing like the the reverse jinx?
0: <laughs> no, it's just, you know, you feel like I don't consider myself a homer at all. I, I feel I like agree when you with pick you. them week after week after week, and then it feels a little like, man, I just can't keep doing it. Like, why am I picking them to win except that I picked them to win 12 games before the season, right? Yeah. And if you look at the most recent trends is how are they going to keep up scoring with Cincinnati? Now, I had them scoring 27, which might be enough to win the game. I mean, they could wind up winning 27-24. But it just feels like a tough game to pick them to win, given everything we've discussed for the last however long we've talked. Well,
1: and that's why I appreciate you so much. And, I mean, we've been working together since, what, 2007. I mean, you know, and I I have never considered you a homer and anyone that follows you knows you're not. I don't think I am either. I think we try to really see it both sides of the way. The other thing is, I don't think you're Mr. Negative either. So, you know, you you try to keep it balanced, which I appreciate. And I think most people that follow you do. So no, no way by any chance are you a homer um, when you, when you pick those those 12 wins? Absolutely not. So, um, you know, I respect the pick this week. It's tough to argue with you. And this is going to blow your mind, but I'm going to pick the Browns. Wow. And yeah, I know. I knew. (laughs) Does that surprise you? It does. (laughs) And the only reason I am is because, you know, I think in order for me to think they can get back on track, they have to have a game to make up for this past Sunday. And that would be this Sunday. And honestly, I don't want to spend the rest of the year talking about a team that loses this coming Sunday. I just can't, I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. So I'm, I'm almost thinking that, you know, the way the NFL goes and you know, the way things are, they find a way to win this game. I don't know how other than to say the defense is going to step up and see now you are leading into my point. Exactly. I don't think the Browns can win a high-scoring game here, and, and you have it a little more high-scoring. So I'm going to say the way the Browns win is the defense steps up because I just don't see it any other way, kind of like they did against Minnesota. So I, I think the defense is going to step up, and they're going to get just enough points. I think the game's going to go under. So in order to win this game, I'm going to go Browns uh, somehow – they pull this off. Let's give I, I see here's the problem. I don't see how they hold the Bengals to this le- the this small yeah. amount of points, but I I'm gonna go Browns 16, Bengals 14. Wow in a very in a very bizarre game. Wow. It's just a but it's a bizarre game.
0: All right. I mean that <laughs> happens, right? I mean that happens in this league. We didn't think the Minnesota game was gonna be whatever it was, 17-14. Um, so that, yeah, I mean that's not crazy, Chad. And I'll tell you what, Burrow will turn the ball over. He's got nine interceptions this year. Um, that's a lot, right? Um, you know, he's – I don't know if he's loose with the ball in the pocket. He's really good in the pocket, um, escaping trouble. But Miles Garrett, I don't think Miles Garrett has a strip sack this year. Um, if he does, he has one that I, that doesn't stand out to me. So that's the kind of play that they need. That's the kind of play that can change a game. Miles tweeted this week that great isn't going to be good enough. Something like, I, I played great. It hasn't been good enough. I'm going to have to go take it to another level. I'm mean. mm-hmm. really paraphrasing well, that. So maybe that's how that game turns, is a play like that, right?
1: Well, the other thing is, I'm going to also say this, that if Freddie Kitchens was the coach, I would not pick this. I'm completely giving this prediction to Stefanski, that he can somehow pull them together and save the season. Because, if, Scott, if they lose <laughs> this game, it's, it's game over. You're not yeah. recovering from this because then you're going to go to New England. Yeah, you get the Lions. And you got Baltimore twice. I, you know, there's tough games at the back end, and I just think we've seen the roller coaster. It steamrolls from there. So that's why I'm going to give him all the credit here for them, him in the defense. Um, But if they do win
0: 42-41, I'm still going to take credit for a win. <laughs> sure. Well, you got to. You got to. And, and I respect the pick, Chud, and, and I, I've thought about – I wouldn't have picked that low score, but – yeah. I thought about picking him. I really think there's a chance they could go down there backs against the wall. I, I do think, I mean, I think Stefanski, like I haven't lost confidence in Stefanski. I think he needs to do a better job as a play caller. Um, yeah. But as a head coach leader, like I haven't lost any confidence in him. I know, you know, if you follow the craziness on Twitter, um, you, some people have, but that's also reactionary to what's going on in the moment. So I, I think he's the right guy. I'll probably always think he's the right guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Always. But so, yeah, I, I think there's I, I think you have reason to think that he can figure out a way to go down there and beat this Bengals team. I really do. If you talk about matchups, I like the matchup of Stefanski versus Zach Taylor. Um, I don't love the Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield matchup, but I like the coaching matchup for the Browns. So um, it, it's interesting, Chud. And yeah, it's a huge game. You're right. You can't overstate it. I'll be down there. In Cincinnati.
1: Um, oh, that's great. Well, and your pick is logical. Your pick is logical, no doubt about it. Um, the other thing, too, is is I think we're both five and three. I just don't want to be tied next week. I, I mean, know. Let's, let, let's have one guy take the lead yeah. here. Uh, one last note I wanted to throw out. I did a little uh, research uh, here as we were talking. I did not do every season. I went to the seasons where I remembered they possibly could have been uh, good in the AFC North. 2007, they were three and three. Yeah. 2020, they were three and three. 2018, they were three, two, and one. Oh, okay. If you remember, they tied the Steelers. Yep, yep.
0: So, so right, so like, history. that's like. the only that's the only time they've had a winning record in the division that, that I and can two. see. Yes. Yeah, I, did, I, I mean, didn't the only other record. option would have been 2002 when they went to the playoffs, and I don't think they did that year either. Um, but, I know, yeah, obviously, they didn't win the division. They were nine and seven then.
1: Right. So, so that's crazy,
0: Chut. I mean, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's, I mean, really, I mean, we—it's—we're just stating the obvious, but it's important to say it again: is if you're going to have supremacy in the division, you got to win division games, right? I mean, yep. It's just that, thats what needs to yeah. happen. Yeah, it's yeah. very true. Well, uh, then it should start this yeah, week, yeah. and you'll be all over it. So, wow! Well,
1: yeah, they still got two <laughs> against the Ravens and another one. Uh, yeah, I mean, wow! We'll but it see. needs to start we'll this see, week, but yeah. Yeah. It, no it has to it's so i mean i guess what i'd say is it's a must win
0: yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to argue with that i mean it really is it, it, it really is so cool anything else chad i'm good i'm let, let's go to cincinnati
1: hey good bring us home a win man enjoy the trip thank you sir <laughs> i appreciate it thanks for uh
0: thanks for all the time again that was dave chadowski um this has been another episode of the zone coverage podcast you can read all my coverage on brownzone.com sponsored by Fligners and we'll talk again next week thank you for listening